Guys, in this week's episode, like nobody freak out. Nobody freak out. Okay. But I am being interviewed for a podcast. Are you excited? Because I'm excited. I mean, sure, like this is my own podcast and Heather's the one interviewing me. But that doesn't, you know, we can still be excited because I'm being interviewed. How fun is that? Also, uh, hold on to your hats and glasses, folks, because I'm going to be sharing a lot about how I got my business started and hopefully it encourages you and uh, if not, makes you laugh just a little bit or a lot. I don't know. There could, yes, a lot. We are gathered here today to bring together the wedding community. Whether you are a seasoned pro, a newbie planning to start your own wedding business, or an engaged couple hoping to see behind the scenes, we're here to share tips, tricks, and laughs with you as we talk weddings. The Union Podcast is a show that aims to build a community for those in the wedding planning trenches. Join Jamie Wolfer, Heather Laurie Fear, and special guests in roundtable discussions about the challenges and joys of the wedding business. And now, here come your hosts, Jamie and Heather. You guys, today is a treat. We have a special guest being interviewed today. It's <laughs> Jamie Wolfer herself. <laughs> We're really pulling out all the stops for you guys. We are going to do interviews <laughs> with each other because we actually did have this requested over in the Facebook group where you should be hanging out with the other listeners of the Union Podcast. And they wanted to know, how did we get started? What was our journey in this industry? And so today, I am interviewing Jamie about this. Jamie, how do you feel about being interviewed today? I mean, I feel pretty good about it, to be totally honest. I think we're going to have a riotous time. All right. Let's dive on in with the first question. Can you tell us a little about when you knew you wanted to do this? Meaning being you know, a wedding planner and YouTube sensation. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, first of all, too much. <laughs> so I knew that I wanted to do wedding planning because after our wedding, I was like, wait a minute. I really like doing that. I don't want to stop. And almost had this post-wedding depression because I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Why am I so sad? Like, Why do I miss doing this? So it was a, a weird inadvertent way of being like, okay, I want to keep doing that. And then I just decided that I wanted to keep doing it. And I think it was, golly, two months later that I booked my first client. Dang, girl. I know. I went out. I ordered business cards. Actually, technically, I made my first round of business cards using uh, wood paper. And I printed them myself. They're honestly, to this day, I'm still so obsessed with those cards, except for they do need a massive update. But yeah, I made business cards, made a rudimentary website that a, a friend of mine actually... No, I shouldn't say I made it. She made it for me. She did a bomb job. It wasn't that rudimentary. I just had nothing to put on there. So I got business cards and I did a couple styled shoots and I was like, let's do this. It's time. So it sounds like getting started was fully just getting started and jumping in and putting yourself out there saying... I did this for myself. I loved it. I think I can do it for you. Let's go. Yeah, that actually was 100% how it went down. And it was convenient because my brother was in a local university at the time. And so he was just surrounded by people that were getting engaged. And the first couple that booked me was one of his best friends. So it was perfect. He was like my marketing department during that time. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of referrals then coming from that network. Yeah. To kind of kick things off, it was a lot of that or a lot of people who just had known me in the past. And I didn't reach out. I didn't do any cold calling. That is so not my style. I know some people are so good at that. It just... It ain't me. I can't. And then I did a a bridal expo. Gosh, 
I think I'd only technically been in business for like two months. And then I I spent like $1,000 getting a bridal booth. And then I dressed it up like crazy. And our first one, we got 14 weddings from, I think. Yeah, I think it was 14. Wow. Yeah. That is a huge success. And I mean, shows how powerful an event like that can be just to network and talk to people face to face and, you know, let them meet you and get comfortable with you. And then they want to work with you, of course. Yeah. I found it super interesting because no one else was really decorating their booths. And that's something Dave, who obviously was on the podcast a while back, has been my mentor in this business for so long. He does wedding videography, obviously. But if you guys heard that episode, then you know that he's got a wealth of wisdom to share. And so I was like, what do I do? He's like, definitely do a bridal expo. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And he's like, okay, listen, nobody decorates. Or if they do, they don't do very much. Now, we've obviously seen a change over the last few years and a lot more people are doing this. But a lot of people weren't. So we caught their eye with something pretty. And then we roped them in (laughs) with my over-caffeinated witty banter, I suppose. (laughs) That makes sense to me. So you bring them in. Did you do like a giveaway, a promo, anything like that that helped capture more attention? Or was it just the caffeinated banter? No, it was not just the caffeinated banter. Because let's be honest, that probably scared away more than it actually drew in. We did do a raffle. And it was 20% off any package that you wanted to book. Of course, now if I were to do a raffle these days, I would change it just slightly, but it was exactly what I needed at that time. So basically, they told me their date, they told me their location, they told me their guest count, ideal budget, and then the package that they were interested in. And uh, I got home that night, put them all into a spreadsheet. So anyone who stopped by could enter to win. Put them all into a spreadsheet. And then I'm going to let you in on a little secret, Heather, but you can't tell anybody. I won't tell. No one's going to hear this. Everybody got the discount. (laughs) Everybody got the discount. No way. So generous of you. So everybody got the discount. And honestly, that's what so many vendors do at these things is everybody's a winner in some way or another. So there were some days that was double booking. So I just like didn't offer it to them. There were some emails that I couldn't read because it was illegible. But everyone got either 20% off or 10% off. And... I had quite a few people get back to me. It was crazy. I was like, what is happening? You guys, I, I literally have no idea what I'm doing and they're booking me. What? <laughs> okay. So that's where you were day one. Well, pretty close to day one. It's really like day 60 or so. And you're already like pretty booked up. 14 events in a year is a pretty solid calendar for a lot of folks in this industry. Were you intending on going into this full-time, part-time? You have little ones like... Other stuff's going on. So what were your intentions? Honestly, at that point in time, it was like, let's just see what happens. Because the ideal was to get it to be full-time. That sounded like such a dream at the time. Like, How can I be a full-time wedding planner? But also be able to manage my own hours and manage what I did. So it wouldn't mean 40 hours a week. It would just mean my main source of income. Because at that time, my husband had a very well-paying job. We were fine in that department. And we knew, hey, I've got free time. I'm obviously home with the kids. What can I do to be creative to get an income and do something that I enjoy? So it wasn't that I was looking for 40 hours a week. It was that I was looking to bring in an income and simultaneously do something that just thrilled me to no end. Yes. Now, what about this whole thing? Obviously, you just enjoyed planning your own wedding. But like, what aspects of it really drew you to going pro? Golly, I feel like there's so many. So I grew up... My dad is a pastor, has been my whole life. So we would always host these events at my house. 
And I would watch my mom get ready for the stuff. And she just, she was, my mother is magic. My mother is a magical human. She's one of my best friends. So perhaps I'm a wee bit biased. Mm -hmm. She would put together these luncheons that just made everyone feel so welcome at the drop of a hat. And everything was so well organized. She would go as far, oh my gosh, Heather, you're going to love this, to like write what chips would go in what bowl on a little piece of paper and stick it in that bowl. Mm, I do love that. Yes. I would do that myself. I am 100% a fan of your mother and I haven't even met her, but I do love her, I think. Those crafty little things that I was like, she just thinks of the stuff. That's just how her brain works. And so I would absorb all this and be like, I want to do that. And like right before people would show up, she would then remove the paper and drop the chips in. So it didn't look cluttered. We didn't have stuff all over the place. It was just empty bowls waiting for the chips. And then boom, all of a sudden we have ourselves a food fiesta because this woman was just so clever. And so it would be groups of 10, 15, 20, 100 people that she just could do all of this at the drop of a hat because my dad would oftentimes spring it on her. So to watch her masterfully put the stuff together, I was like, that's rad. I want to do that. I also really like people. So that was fun to set something up and then watch them enjoy her hard work. And then I actually worked in interior design for a couple of years. Ooh, tell us about this. Oh, yes. Okay. So basically, I scored a gig working for a wholesaler. This company would import vintage pieces from around the world and they would sell it to stores that you see like in Laguna Beach and St. Clemente. Like Tuvalu has a lot of their stuff in Laguna Beach. And it was great. It was a wonderful opportunity. I walked into it going, I've always liked house stuff. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. And then I came to really appreciate styling things and putting together vignettes and the power that that could have when you put together something that looks gorgeous. Because even people who don't know how to put stuff together like that can appreciate a well-designed space or a well-designed room. And so I was like, wow, this is great. This is fun. Oh my gosh, I could totally see doing this. And I also worked in youth ministry for a while. And so we would plan these events or these weekends or these retreats or trips. And the logistics behind the scenes, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to brag. Okay, maybe I'm going to brag. I was good at it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. So planning my wedding was the perfect convergence of all of those three things. I was able to take my mom's craftiness and the way she could magnificently pull something off with just a little forethought, just a little bit of like, okay, I'm going to think this out. I'm going to think through all these steps real fast and be prepared to try to get it done quickly and efficiently and wow people when they come in. I was able to create something that I thought was beautiful, that I really wanted people to enjoy the aesthetics of. And I was good at the logistics. Like I enjoyed it. I loved calling vendors for quotes. What? That's not something that most people find enjoyable. But I was thriving in the spreadsheets, in the checklists, in the timeline. And uh, it just kind of all fell together. So all of these different areas of my life that I enjoyed and spent a lot of time working in or on were all covered or encompassed in wedding planning. Awesome. So it sounds like wedding planning is and was back then your dream job. Can we say? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that sounds about right. Yeah. Because I mean, it's bringing all this together. And I think with a job being fun, it generally also aligns with you being good at a job. I think that's what we're seeing here is you're very good at this. And so it's fun to you. And it's not just work. It is just something you would probably be willing to do for free because it feels so fun, but you're fortunate enough to be doing it and getting paid. Oh, absolutely. Very good. Very good. Well. I think you touched upon this a little bit, the initial investment you put into getting started. But do you want to dive into that for those who are 
you know, thinking I want to start a business and want to know what this is going to take. Yeah, I think, well, obviously I've got like a couple different facets to my business, but if we're talking about the wedding planning specifically, I sweet talked my husband into saying okay and into saying yes to that bridal bazaar, but I used the income from that first couple that booked me. So I hadn't done any advertising. I hadn't done anything. I just took $1,000 from that and put it towards the bridal bazaar. And of course, there was more money spent to make it pretty. And I spent a lot of time designing that booth. Goodness gracious, it took forever. So there was probably that up front. Let's call it $1,500. And then I printed up stuff at home, like uh, flyers or like a price sheet for people to take a quick look at. So that was minimal at best. It was just finding the right logo and the right fonts and those sorts of things. So in that aspect, I spent the time doing it myself instead of spending the money to have somebody else do it. And then business cards were a little more expensive because like I said, it was like, it's the coolest wood paper and I can't wait to order another round and actually remake them with our new logo. It's gorgeous. I love it. So that's probably, I don't know, maybe another 150 bucks. And then at that point, it was just hustle. It was just a matter of getting people to book us. Because that's the cool part about having a wedding planning business is technically there's very little overhead if you don't want there to be. Mm-hmm. That's true. Especially when you're getting started and you're doing a lot based on referrals. If you're doing a good job, you're building your network organically. You're not having to go out and run a bunch of ads or put billboards up or get a physical retail space. You know that These that come up with other types of businesses. So it really gives you the ability to make some money and reinvest it into going bigger if you want or not if you only want to do it part-time. You know, There's all sorts of options. In fact, right before I started this, I talked to this gal who's actually in the wedding industry, just in a, uh, works for a wedding blog because I had lost a job. And I, was, I went to her, honestly, really hoping that she would get me one. Like I just... We went out to grab drinks and I was like, how do I work this into conversation? What do I do? And she said... Very frankly, before I even had to ask, she goes, trust me, I would hire you in a, in a heartbeat. I just don't have the space. We just don't, we don't have room on our team. She goes, but tell you what, I'm going to encourage you this. Do your best to find a job where you get paid for nothing but your time. No products, no investment, just your time. And this is before, or maybe I was in the middle of... No, this was before I planned my wedding. Yeah, this was before. So knowing that nugget of information, because then I, don't, I just don't have costs. I don't have product I'm buying. I... So I knew that that would be a smart move moving forward. Plan my wedding went, oh, wait, this is fun. And then realized, oh, wait, I don't have to throw a lot into this if I don't want to. Okay, so we're just going to take a quick break because we want to tell you about this. And actually, Jessica has no idea that we're sharing this with you guys. But Jessica Bishop over at Budget Savvy Bride is developing this radical directory, you guys, a vendor directory for all of her viewers and all of her readers to access. And we want to encourage you to be a part of it. Yes, you guys. She is putting something really special together. And what's really awesome about it is it's free. So if you are a wedding vendor and you want to get some exposure to some additional couples, this is a free way to do it. Head on over to thebudgetsavvybride.com slash directory. That's thebudgetsavvybride.com slash directory. And you can sign up for your free posting in their directory. And we hope it sends you a lot of work in the coming year. That is a pretty beautiful part about this industry. And currently with the economic climate and things being a little more challenging in this space since in-person events aren't happening as easily or as often right now or to the same scale, 
you know, you're not paying the overhead of a retail space. You don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars of inventory sitting in a warehouse that you can't sell right now. Yes, you don't have money coming in because you can't put your time out there, but you're not in the hole a bunch of money because of those overhead costs. So it is a, a really unique thing with the way this business works. Now, for your journey as a planner, things really seemed to kick off when you decided to go towards YouTube. What led you to that? And you know, how did you feel going into it? Because that had to have been scary to put yourself out there in that way. Yeah, it was scary. Now, I had actually owned the camera that I started filming on like a year and a half before I ever started filming videos because I knew I wanted a channel. I started watching, like super actively watching YouTube in 2014, 2015. There's this one YouTuber that I follow who I just adore. I just adore her. And anyone who watches any piece of my content knows that I've mentioned her before. It's Zoe Suggs. She's such a cute little British nugget and I love her. So I would watch her make these videos and I was like, I want to do that. That looks like so much fun. Like, wow. Okay. And then I realized, wow, coming across like a normal person on camera is harder than it looks. So I spent a long time practicing, which really, I was just putting it off because I was scared. Like I knew I wanted one. I just chose weddings and chose to talk about weddings because it was a subject that I knew I could talk about. That way it'd be more factual and educational and it wouldn't be me doing makeup because I like makeup, but I'm definitely no makeup artist. It, or me doing DIYs or how-tos in your home, which is so funny because now I have a second channel where I still where I do all that stuff. But I chose weddings because I was like, I want a channel. I know stuff about this. Why not? And yeah, the first few videos were rough and no one will ever see them. <laughs> what? I want to see them. You no. I'm pretty sure I deleted them actually. Oh dear. I thought the I've seen the one in your car. I went way deep in your YouTube and it's like you in a really cool car. What was that? It's a 1985 Chevy Suburban that it's been in my husband's family for decades. <laughs> at least, I think, maybe not decades, at least 18 years. So it was my father-in-law's and then he gave it to us. So he ripped out the interior and there's like a plywood ceiling and the AC doesn't work super well. And it's so loud in that car. And I was like, listen, Jamie, you're going to keep pushing this off. Just make a stupid first video on purpose. Like make it bad because anything will be going up from there. Yeah. I mean, they say start ugly, you know, get out there, do something. And then you start learning and they get better. And, and look at you now. You're a superstar. <laughs> but I mean, I thought that first video was pretty good. I went back and looked at it because I'm like, how good has she been at this for how long? And I was like captured by that video immediately. I was like, oh, look, she's got her kids. This car is really cool. I'm like, I want to be friends with her. And so, I mean, you're doing a good job with this video. That's all I'm saying. I think that one is probably a little bit better than the few that followed it, actually, which is hysterical because I posted that on purpose so the rest would be better. But I was so quiet and really unsure of myself but was while recording because that's before I redid our upstairs guest bedroom to double as my recording space. So I was doing it in the office. And so Silas was a baby at the time. So I didn't want to be too loud because I didn't want to wake him up when he was napping because that child was the worst napper. Oh my gosh. He would go 30, 45 minutes and then he'd be up. And I'd be like, what the heck? Your sisters didn't do anything like this. They took marathon naps. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so if you fell asleep, I'd be like, nobody make any noise. 
Well, yeah. And that's the, the mompreneur life is like getting that started in the little increments of time in the day. So for those people who are listening, who are thinking they want to go into this and have kids, like what are the essential things they should be working on first? Obviously you mentioned some already of like website, business cards, get yourself out there. But what sort of things do you think are highest priority to squeeze into those little time windows that they have in the day when they're not, you know, handling the the little chillings? For me, it was like a trying to make sure I was providing quality work to the few clients who had hired me. So when I had time, I was being very intentional by making sure that I was providing good service because people who receive good service talk about it and they enjoy it. And I wanted them to enjoy their wedding planning. So that was one of my main focuses was I'm not looking to grow my business massively. One, because I don't think I can handle it. I'm so new. I'm not ready. And two, because I couldn't, the quality control would slip. So I wanted to make sure that everyone was enjoying the experience that they were having. It was a lot of late nights. I'd go on Pinterest and I would compare timelines and be like, what do I like about this timeline versus this timeline? Do I agree with that? Does this make sense? And so I would spend those little nuggets of time researching more and comparing it against what I had seen and what I knew to be like, okay, I disagree with this actually. Especially because after last week's wedding, blah, 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 blah. So almost like my own version of continued education. Mm -hmm. So it was that combination of making sure the clients were getting a great experience and making sure I was sharpening my skills as best as I could by comparing things and contrasting. And it was a grind. And I definitely don't want to make it sound like it was super easy. I chose to take on less clients so I wouldn't be drowning. But yeah. And what sort of systems did you use early on? I know it was a little more scattered and folders <laughs> <Yeah>. and... <laughs> Way to call me out, Heather. Well, I'm just like this. You've shared this before. And now you have your sweet honey book, as you call it. And, and you know, there's been a progression. But like early on, you got to start ugly, like I said. So you just got something and then you incrementally improve. But tell us about how you started. So organizationally, I had binders. Like each couple had their own binder. And it made me feel posh as heck because I was like, oh, look at these 10 binders. It's great. And I, to this day, I'm still a note taker. I'm pen to paper note taker, not digital. I have literally have three notepads sitting next to me right now. It's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. I can relate. Joe came into my office. That's my husband, you guys. And he literally laughed. He's like, why are there so many separate notepads? I'm like, that one's for this project. That one's for this project. Because I keep them in separate little separate notepads so that I know if I have a note I need to look back on about X project, I just go to that folder or that notepad and it's in there. Anyway, he thought I was real weird, but whatever. He doesn't know. I like the notes too. That's hysterical because mine are not sectioned off. <laughs> but most of the time, like right now, I, if I think of something that I want to share later, I'll just jot it down. On the, these are my like miscellaneous notepads or like the list of things I want to get done for the day. I still have a wedding binder. It used to be a binder for each client. So I'd write notes down for that client in their specific binder. Now I just have a massive three ring binder where every time I'm in a meeting, I take notes on it. Mm -hmm. So all the couples are in there and it's all one solid glob of notebook paper, but it's all... I know it's done in chronological order. So I'm like, oh, how long has it been since we met? Okay, I'm going to flip to write about this. And the intent, of course, is to go through and organize all of them. But mostly it's just for me to refresh my mind on what we've talked about. So yeah, at first it was binders and I printed out every single contract and I printed out everything. And I would print out multiple timelines to hand out to people on wedding days and I had spares to 
pass out to the bridal party if they wanted it. I've since chosen to save more paper and we just email it instead. <laughs> yeah. Well, people have their phones now. I mean, honestly, yeah. even in the last five years, the way people use technology is so different. So now printing out a piece of paper and giving it to them, they'd be like, can you just text me this document so I don't have to carry yeah. it around? And be like, okay, great. Printed that yeah, one out. It's great. And then we graduated to Google Drive and I still use Google Drive a lot. So we'll organize and upload contracts there. I do find that user interface to be super user-friendly for so many people. So we still use that quite actively. Okay. So that's where you started. Now you're with HoneyBook, but still using Google and any other little tools in the mix there that are really handy on the day-to-day basis? Or is that about it? I feel like we talked probably about all of my secret weapons on the, like, the apps podcast that we did. But I will say day-to-day stuff that really helps me. Appy is fantastic for posts. We use that for our main Instagram. And so I'll just sit down once a week and write out all the captions. It makes me look like I'm posting every single day, but I'm not. <laughs> it's doing it for me. So HoneyBook is where it's at. Like I just, I've used them for years and they have such a great interface and so many people really respond well to it. And because my biggest fear is always double booking. Yeah. Accidentally double booking. Bad problem if if you get yourself in that situation because it makes both the clients feel so, or whichever one (laughs) you're having to handle backtracking on, like feel so not invaluable because I think that means valuable, right? Am I just really takes... I'm like, wait, that's not the term I want. It just takes away all the worth out of them that you're like, oh, I know you decided to work with me in this, but now I don't want to work with you. It's like, oh, that's a really awkward conversation to have. Oh, it's the worst. And why, why do I know? Because I did it. Oh. oh, and there's one other thing that we, I do have. This is... Okay. This is how much I love to see big picture stuff. There's a wall in our office and I have 12 one foot by one foot cork mats that I've spaced out. So there's four in each row and there's three rows. So there's one for each month. So what I do is when I book a wedding, I will write it down on a post-it or piece of paper and pin it to that weekend. So anytime I'm like, how many events do I have? I will walk into my office and I can count the post-its. Nice. Yeah. I love that thing. I don't know why, but big picture is so helpful for me, especially in-person tangible. I can move pins if I need to, especially now because we've had some events rescheduled. So I can just go ahead and scoot them around. Oh, I love it so much. A little more moving pins this year than normal. A little bit. Yeah. I love big calendars like that too. I, something about a nice big whiteboard or like a huge calendar that I can mm-hmm. like really see. I'm like, ooh, I dig this. This is helpful for me to kind of feel grounded as I'm planning things. Now, you've had a lot of success here. Your business is doing well. What do you think has actually helped make your business grow? I know we've talked about a lot of things on the podcast before, but like if you could pin it down to let's say one to three things that you think really made the difference for you, what would they be? Mm, No, that's a tough one. I would say one of the first things that I did, even with my very first event, with my second event, with my third event, is at the end of every single wedding, either that night or the next day, I would turn to my assistant or or whomever had been helping me, which funnily enough, in the beginning was my mom a lot of the time. And I'd say, okay, what went well? And we'd talk about it. And I'd say, okay, what didn't go well? And we'd talk about it while it was still fresh. And a lot of times what I realized is things that didn't go well, they weren't necessarily my fault. So that was really an important distinction for me because so often I just, I go straight to shame or embarrassment or like, oh my gosh, I dropped the ball. 
And there were moments of that. And that's okay. That's part of learning and growing. But it was mostly, okay, the DJ didn't do this when he was supposed to. What could we have done differently that would have changed that? And so we continuously, and to this day, after every single event, I will either talk to the assistant that I've been working with for that event, or I'll call my mom up. And I'll be like, okay, mom, let's, let's soundboard this because I just need to talk through. She'll go, how'd it go? Okay. What went well? What didn't go well? And so we just have this great system of, let's talk about it. Let's be frank with the failures of the night or the successes of the night. And it's the biggest piece of growth. The bi- the, one of the best things I could have done for my business is to go, all right, let's talk about the screw-ups. Let's get them out there. Because even if they are my fault, what can we do better next time? And every single event has good stuff and has bad stuff. Sometimes they're, they're great and the bad stuff really isn't that bad. Or sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, I almost decked that vendor. <laughs> so that was a pretty big deal. That's been really helpful. I think secondary to that, I mean, it, probably not secondary, probably is the biggest reason we've seen growth. And we all know it's because of YouTube. Like I found out recently that YouTube is the second most used search engine. Search engine. I had heard that. And I mean, I wish I just had a little teaspoon of your talent to be able to go on there and do that. But I, I am still at the stage where on video, I feel so awkward. So I mean, maybe you can give us some tips on how to break through that and just be like, I'm going to own it. I'm going to be awkward in my own head. But maybe some people like my awkwardness. Maybe they're like, yeah, this is my sort of weirdo that I want to watch on YouTube. (laughs) That's what they think about me if I was on there. Honestly, but that's what people connect to the most. Like people that I've just seen hundreds of comments appreciating me being me and appreciating my realness and me being funny and self-deprecating when it calls for it. Honestly, I actually just gave a talk in an online wedding summit on the power of YouTube and why vendors should be using it. And it got me thinking, actually, Heather, I didn't even talk to you about this. It may be worth a full episode because it was I literally gave an hour-long talk on it. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. We definitely have to do a separate episode then. But tell us a little teaser for folks to know they want to listen to this future YouTube episode. I mean, why not? <laughs> it's the biggest thing that I... I keep saying the biggest thing. This is an important factor. Let's not exaggerate, Jamie. Before Dave started his YouTube channel, we went to a mixer with Whippa and... Like I had brought my camera along with me, intending to film, never really ended up doing it, and started to record. And all of a sudden, recording Jamie came out. And he goes, Oh my gosh, what was that? Because he's known <laughs> me since I was 14. Like he, uh-huh. I was his best man at his wedding. Like Dave and I know each other quite well, although we love his wife probably more than we love him now because he married up and we love her. Nice. So this is a long friendship. And I end the clip and he's like, What did you just? do. And I'm like, I just added vocal inflection and some hand movements. Because right now, as we're talking, I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. blah. But if all of a sudden I turn up the vocal inflection a little bit, and then what I'm saying just becomes a little bit more interesting because I'm less... I just turn it up just a teeny bit. I'm still me. I'm still talking the way I normally talk. I'm just adding inflection and some hand movements to keep people entertained. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to do that on my Instagram stories. I don't know if I'm nailing it, but I'm getting better. I will say I'm avoiding making the terrible noise that you pointed out to me on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm learning from you. This is excellent. This is, I'm getting like 
coached by a YouTube superstar. And someday, someday I will make some YouTube videos that are worth watching, you guys. It's, it's going to happen someday. It's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you do it. It's funny because when Dave started his channel, he was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. If I talk normally, I seem dead. Yeah, I can see that. People want to be entertained. You know, they're watching YouTube for some entertainment. They want to learn, but they want to be entertained. It's just unreal to me. I don't understand it. I mean, I already clearly have a kind of big personality, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, just adding dynamics to it that make it, especially if you're not moving. I sit on a bed. Like, that's not visually interesting. So, how do I keep people's attention? Right. That makes sense to me. Okay. So, people just need to become YouTube stars. <laughs> And then they're set. That's it. They're good. <laughs> I mean, realistically though, what can they do if they're just like, no way, no how, not making YouTube videos? What, what are some other ways they can you know, get some growth going? What tips do you got for them? Always be aware of the power of word of mouth. If you deliver quality service, the clients will remember you. The guests will remember you. The vendors The amount of times we have had vendors be like, this is different. Like, we really enjoy working with you. Other planners aren't like this. And that wasn't necessarily a broad sweeping statement, but they're like, we're having fun. So for us, it was how do we basically treat everyone like a potential client or a potential um, referral? Mm -hmm. Just kindness. We've been shocked by the amount of times a vendor comes back and says, hey, I have a couple that I think you guys would be a great fit and we'd love to work with you again. I'm like, what? Because we, awesome. we told some fun knock-knock jokes or like, I don't, I mean, I, I doubt that was the reason, <laughs> but because we made it a great experience for all involved. There's so much power being nice to other vendors. And unfortunately, it sounds like the landscape out there with other planners may not exactly do that. So just be kind and think of the needs, not only of your clients, but potentially of the guests and be aware if guests are out in the sun or you know, just moving things along to make sure everyone's comfortable and enjoying themselves. And then be nice to the vendors. That's been such a huge part of our growth is because then we'll get referrals. And that's not why we did it. We just did it because we like people and the inadvertent benefit was people referred us because they want to work with us again because we made it a good and fun experience. Yeah. I think that right there is a huge nugget of wisdom because so many weddings I have attended where there are planners, I don't see that there's a very good flow between the whole team. And obviously I do this as a job. So I'm watching a little more closely than what a general guest at a wedding would. But I can see, you know, little moments where it seems things are a little off and there's a little tension between the staff running around. And I think working at an event, if you can avoid that tension and get the entire collective wedding team to work smoothly, that's huge. And the other vendors appreciate it because they don't always get that experience. So yeah, good job, girl. That's the way to referrals. I agree. And honestly, it's just because I love people. I am an Enneagram 3. I love people and I want them to like me. <laughs> so so there's, there's elements of that that like, obviously there's been a lot of growth. And this business has been one of the best things that's happened to me in that respect is really recognizing that like, I still have to make decisions and I can't always be like, just love me. But it stems from that wanting people to like me. And part of that's great. Part of that's unhealthy. Whatever. I'm recognizing it in myself. Okay. We're saying it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot 
that is good from that too, as long as you're keeping it where you're not being a doormat. So, you know, just weighing that in the equation and you're good. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you look back, what do you say were your overall biggest successes and your biggest challenges? And then, you know, we can start wrapping this up. So are you saying I'm being chatty? Is no, that I know. I'm not saying uh-huh. being chatty. I'm uh-huh. just saying I don't want to, you know, go on forever. I feel like we've already hit a lot of these. Yeah, I'm outlining. <laughs> we all know I'm chatty. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's We're just good. it's enjoyable chattiness. Yay. Hey, oh, that works. Mm-hmm. Biggest successes. Golly, I just think <laughs> I'm gonna sound so lame. YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's not what I expected. It's not what I thought it would be. And it's 100% like the biggest income for our family right now. And it's my sole source of leads. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, because I know a lot of people are like, of course, we expected Jamie to say YouTube. The way we were able to secure word of mouth referrals for the first few years of business, I was blown away by. There was so much power in that. There was so much success in that because then these groups of adults would be like getting engaged. Who'd you use? What'd you do? Blah, blah, blah. And if they had a great experience with us, then they recommended us. And that we just have never paid for an ad. I might have boosted a post or two on Instagram, but like we've never done advertising. I've done three bridal bazaars total in the last, I don't even know how many years. So it's just been really harnessing that, that power of word of mouth. Yeah. And what about the challenges? What were the biggest challenges and how did you move through them or grow from them? Yeah. I think it's the flip side of that people pleaser in me because I would back down in situations where if I just delivered the information confidently, no one would question it. So it was a huge level of personal growth. And that's why I said it a little bit ago that this is one of the best things that's happened to me personally because I had to learn no is no, or yes is yes. And to be definitive, and almost in some situations where before in my past, I didn't have a backbone, allow things to happen because I just wanted, I wanted everyone to be happy. Yeah. So the challenges were, I mean, from what I know, we've had two disgruntled brides, not to the bad review point, but like two disgruntled brides. And I can pinpoint exactly how my behavior created a relationship that allowed that to happen. Mm-hmm. Which is a weird way of phrasing that, but I was oh well uh, okay, but like as long as you're happy, and then when I changed the narrative and delivered it with confidence and kindness, I mean we're not bullying them, but it was when <laughs> it was when I didn't stand up for myself. I created these relationships in such a way that tilted the scale that I looked like I had no idea what I was doing. Right, and the maybe the intention or the deliverables you were supposed to provide weren't as clear because you were being vague or kind of adding things in that weren't really easy for your team to deliver. Absolutely. I would just be like, oh yeah, we could do that. Or, oh, you know, well, just to make sure you're happy, I'm going to go ahead and add on an extra hour for you, totally free. And based on your venue layout, I'm going to add in a third person, like literally did this with a bride who was kind of upset and like added on, no, so we're just going to keep adding on stuff. And she was still mad. <laughs> just learning that like, oh yeah, well just maybe if I keep giving you stuff, you'll end up being happy. Yeah. And I think no matter what, you're still going to end up finding clients that aren't exactly satisfied with your services because we're all people. But learning that, nope, this is the contract. Nope, this is what we're doing. And delivering that kindly, but still sticking to it. Yeah. 
Hey, well, it sounds like being an entrepreneur has been a big journey of growth for you and also had a lot of success. So we'll tip our hat to you today, Jamie. Thank you for letting us interview you. And I hope everyone listening enjoyed learning a little bit about Jamie's journey. I know. Thanks for making me feel all cool and being interviewed on a podcast. What? (laughs) You're so fancy. Like I'm going to go tell my husband, babe, I just got interviewed for a podcast. Yeah, it is your own podcast. But I mean, it's a podcast. We don't need to add that part in, Heather. <laughs> Just, you know, glide right on through. It's fine. I got interviewed for a podcast. We're not saying whose it is. Cheapers. You've just walked down the aisle of today's episode of The Union Podcast. Thank you for celebrating today's show with us. We hope that you found a little gem of wedding wisdom from this episode. Please let us know your feedback by sharing a screenshot of this episode on Instagram. Be sure to tag at Union Podcast so we can hear your voices. Let us know what topics you'd love to hear about on future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Until next time, stay lovely, wedding friends. That was a fun one. Yeah, I liked it. Do we need to do an intro or does it feel like... I feel like we don't really need to do an intro. I think people are going to be like, whoa, this is cool. Jamie's getting interviewed. Wow. Wow. I mean, you could do an intro where you're like, you guys, guess what? I'm getting interviewed. Whoa. (laughs) 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 Other part. I mean, if you want.